0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best game, podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, November the 19th, 2020. On today's show, I break down Saturday's game. The Gamecocks look to bounce back, break their ugly three game losing streak as they welcome the Missouri Tigers for a night game at Williams Bryce Stadium. I'll break down Missouri in their entirety. Also, top storylines, key matchups to watch, keys the game much, much more as we break down Saturday's game. Also, your listener questions, voicemails, and we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks defensive lineman Aldrick Fordham joins the show. Awesome interview. Aldrich obviously, playing on some of the best defenses in school history. We talk about the 2010 SEC title game. We talk about 2011, 2012, winning 11 games back-to-back, going undefeated against Clemson. His thoughts as well on the coaching search and the current state of the game football program guys a fantastic interview and aldrick really do appreciate him taking his time so a lot to get into guys and it's all brought to you by our friends over at upstate movers group guys upstate movers group superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. By the way, guys, they're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op, which means their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they offer black glove service, which means they offer end-to-end Packing services, custom creating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a gamecock owned small business. They offer 20 years of project management and moving experience. And they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or anywhere across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group and, of course, their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is UpstateMoversGroup.com. Again, guys, we all know in the moving process, it can be very strenuous, very stressful. Nobody likes to move. I don't think I've ever met a person who's like, I enjoy the process of moving. Nobody does. You lose things, you break things. Just take that off your plate, guys. You got plenty going on. Let the guys over at Upstate Movers Group help you out. Again, that's Upstate Movers Group. Again, like I said as well, Founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni. Guys, so Gamecocks helping Gamecocks, a Gamecock-owned small business. You just love to see it. And the guys at Upstate Movers Group, absolutely phenomenal people as well. So, again, if you have any moving needs, whether you're in the upstate, across the state of South Carolina, if you're hearing the sound of my voice you need some help moving, Check them out. They're on social media at UpstateMoversGroup.com, and you can find them on their website as well, UpstateMoversGroup.com. That is UpstateMoversGroup.com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, Southern Oaks Remodeling, locally and family-owned, over 15 years of experience, they do a little bit of everything. They specialize in roofing, windows, doors, siding, and additions, and they're serving the greater Columbia area, guys. They were also founded by Gamecock, so another Gamecock-owned small business. You can find them on social media at Southern Oaks Remodeling. They're on Instagram, Facebook, really anywhere you can go. You can also give them a call, 803-899-0284. That's 803 803- 899 899-0284. They've got a website as well. Guys, again, if you're in the Columbia area or across the state of South Carolina and you have any remodeling needs, right, we're in the holiday season, everybody's kind of staying at home, kind of thinking about, oh, we might want to update the kitchen, we might, might want to update the deck, whatever it is, whatever in your, your roof, roofing, windows, door, siding additions, guys, they do a little bit of everything, and the people is really what makes the difference with Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, you know they're going to take care of you over 15 years of experience locally and family-owned, and you can really feel that when they're doing the project because, again, whenever you're doing a remodeling project, you have somebody in your home. It's a really personal experience, so you want to make sure you're working with the right people. Southern Oaks Remodeling are those people. They're going to take care of you guys, so, again, reach out to them via social media, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. You can give them a call as well, 803-899-0284. Again, that is 803-899-0284. 0284. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. Chris Phillips Joseph the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday and a fantastic week as well, guys. We have got a lot to get into. Um, it's, it's crazy with the the madness that has been going on this week with Will Muschamp being fired and the opt-outs and Mike Bobo taking over and the head coaching search, the candidates, we've been talking about that all week. You'd almost forget there was a game this weekend. South Carolina hosting the Missouri Tigers and what has been a really, really fun series. I'm very excited. I know... We've all got a little extra juice now going into game day. This is the first game in what? I guess five years without Will Muschamp being the head coach at the University of South Carolina. So should be very interesting. But again, a lot to get into a packed show. Also an awesome, awesome interview, guys. Make sure you stay tuned for that at the end of the show. Aldrich Fordham joining the show. And if you don't remember him, he was on those defensive lines that were on some of the best teams in school history. So again... A fantastic interview, fantastic show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again, whether you're at the office, you're on the commute home or to work, or maybe you got the day off. Maybe you're lucky and you got this Thursday off today, guys. I hope you're all doing well, and thank you so much for tuning in. One quick thing before we get going as well, guys, I want to say a quick thank you, shout-out to you guys. We hit a 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, uh, so thank you so much for that. Um, Truly do appreciate the love, support, and, again, it was really cool to – to set out that goal. And I know you guys got kind of annoyed probably at times with me asking, Hey, please, if you don't mind, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. But, uh, no, again, seriously, thank you guys so much for the love support for getting us there to a thousand and cheers to the next thousand. It's going to open up some avenues as far as new content and stuff like that. So guys, again, thank you so much for the love and support and what better way to, Celebrate that than to get to talk about the game this weekend. South gonna take on the Missouri Tigers. 730 kick, which Carolina somehow, some way keeps getting these night games week after week after week. Carolina getting the night games, but hey, we'll take it at Willie B. 7:30 kick at Williams Bryce on SEC network. Missouri, a six and a half point favorite, overinter set at 56 and a half. Like I said, you guys in the beginning, this series has been really, really interesting. Tied at five apiece. Um, tied at five apiece, five and five. These teams have met 10 times. Whoever obviously wins this game will take the lead in the series. Last time they met, of course, was last year. And we all remember that ugly 34 to 14 loss to Mizzou at their place. Uh, Ryan Halinski obviously, is a true freshman. I thought really had a true freshman-esque game. You guys remember he had that... that Batted down pass, aka fumble, aka SEC ref BS against South Carolina. Um, that kind of did. He also the 99 yard interception return for a touch. Just, just an ugly game all the way around. So Missouri got the better of South Carolina last year, but this has been a really, really competitive back and forth series. I know you guys remember all the crazy moments. I mean, who can forget 2018, the monsoon game, and then 17 South gonna did take care of business against Mizzou. But I mean, this this has been a really interesting series. And hey. It's a trophy game. The battle for the Mayor's Cup. The battle for the Mayor's Cup. In case you guys forgot, this is a trophy game. Uh, breaking down Mizzou just a little bit, their head coach, Eli Drinkwitz, in his first season. If that name sounds familiar, guys, you are not mistaken. Eli Drinkwitz was the head coach at Appalachian State last season, which beat South Carolina on senior night, which I'm sorry for reminding you that. I know we remember all, all remember it very vividly, and I know we've tried to all get it out of our memories But that is where Drinkwits comes from. Uh, Two and three record overall for Mizzou. They've had some decent moments, obviously beat LSU in what we thought was a massive upset, and then LSU turned out to be terrible. And then their other win um, against Kentucky. Outside of that, really haven't done anything. They obviously have had their COVID issues, which I'm going to get to in just a second. uh, So I haven't played in like two weeks. But two and three overall. Here's an interesting stat for you, though. They're getting outscored. 33 to 22. So they're averaging 22 points per game, but they're averaging giving up 33 points per game. Um, so obviously not a good stat there. They've also, this is an interesting stat. They have thrown for over 200 yards in every single game this season. So obviously you think how that bodes against South Carolina and their struggles in the secondary and the opt-outs might not be good. <laughs> it might not be good. I don't know that this is going to be the game that Mizzou snaps that streak, but we'll have to see. But anyways, let's dive into these top storylines, and there's a lot to get into, a tons of storylines, but you have to start, guys, with the post Mustchamp era has officially begun. The post Mustchamp era, the very first game without head coach Will Muschamp since 2015. It's been that long since the Gamecocks have not had Will Muschamp roaming the sidelines. Obviously, Mike Bobo taking over as the interim head coach, and this is probably, without a doubt, the biggest storyline, but my biggest question in this football game, because, listen, there, you know, we talked about, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, about turmoil, you know, I said a couple weeks ago, turmoil was the best way to describe Carolina football, and what it was going through with Muschamp, and the rumors, and people wanting him fired, well, now it's happened, okay, now it's happened, and we saw it happen Sunday, and we saw sort of the, you know, the ripple effect, After that happened and things, people saying certain things and players tweeting things and people opting out and just things happening after Will Muschamp was dismissed. My question is this, and again, I think it's the most important question in the football game if you're a Gamecock fan. How does South Carolina respond to this? Because I talked about this when I talked about the best bet yesterday. You know, In a lot of scenarios, I think you kind of saw this in 2015 as well with South Carolina after Steve Spurrier resigned. A lot of times you see teams the week after and the rest of the season really rally together, play for one another, or they play for the university, or they play for that interim coach. They find their why. They find their why to respond. And that was something Mike Bobo talked a lot about in his Tuesday presser was being resilient and responding and you know, playing for each other and not being about me, being about we, and playing for the University of South Carolina. And that's all fine and Danny to say in the presser. But you would be remiss to have ignored everything that has happened since Will Muschamp has been fired in regards to things that have been said on social media, in regards to guys opting out, in regards to what current and former Will Muschamp players have said. What type of attitude does South Carolina come out with? Because, again, Will Muschamp was very much so loved by all of his players. Okay? Very, very much so loved by all of his players. And so, of course, you know, you think about practice earlier this week and how practice has probably gone all week long. I'm sure there's some guys hanging their heads. I'm sure there's some guys that are down in the dumps and, um, you know, are questioning their their commitment to playing for the University of South Carolina. And I said this about JC Horn and Ishmael Kwamu and Roderick and Makia Scott and those guys opting out. And I said it about any guy that wants to opt out and transfer. It's no hard feelings. All we need is 22. All we got is all we need. I've already said that. But how does this team respond? You know, what type of team do we see on Saturday night? Do we see a team that comes out and has rallied together and kind of has circled the wagons, rallied the troops, whatever you want to call it, and is playing for one another and is playing for the University of South Carolina, playing for the name on the front of the jersey and not the back, and comes out and plays inspired football, maybe with a chip on their shoulder and, you know, just sick of losing. They're sick of the three-game losing streak. They're sick of all the turmoil, and they come out and play an inspired football game, and take it to Missouri and keep it, make it a four-quarter game, and who knows, maybe possibly win the football game. Or, or, and I'm going to put this bluntly, do we see a South a team that has quit? Just flat-out quit. Doesn't want to be there anymore. Woe is me. My head coach got fired. Why am I even out here? Why am I doing this? I think attitude is, is the most intriguing and probably most important thing to follow in this football game. Because, again, as players on that team, that those guys have one of two choices. Again, you can either rally around each other and come together and play for one another and play for the University of South Carolina, or you can say, woe is me, my head coach is fired, screw this, you can be mad at, it, mad at the world, point fingers at this person, that person, whatever, and let that cloud your judgment and cloud and mess up your play and not play your best and not play inspired football. And if you do that, you're going to get smacked around. We all know that. There's no question. But again, with the post must champ era beginning, how does South Carolina respond to that? What type of mentality to do they come into this game with again? Do they come into these last three games looking at it as, you know what? We've got three more opportunities to go win football games and to put our best foot forward and represent the university of South Carolina in a positive manner. Or do they just say, screw it. It's all about me. Woe is me. I'm mad at the world, pointing the finger. What type of attitude does this team come out with? What type of leadership is there on this football team? Because, again, I have not been the only one. I've seen a lot of you on social media. And, I, and listen, I think it's fair for fans and, and just outsiders to question and to have these questions like we've had all week. The culture of this football team and the culture of this program right now under Will Muschian, we, 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 we've seen some cracks, right, this week with some of the, the attitudes and the mentalities from some of the former and current players. Just call it what it is. We have. And so that's, again, what I said yesterday when I talked about the best bet. You know, normally I would be so quick to jump on a South Carolina who just dismissed its coach. But do I trust the culture? of the program right now, that that is going to be the attitude moving forward, that these guys are going to rally around each other and say, hey, we're going to put our best foot forward. We're going to play with intensity and energy. And um, you you guys notice how huh? I'm, I'm not going to say effort, toughness, discipline ever again. I'm sorry. Um, um, no, th- that, that one's fine. If I ever hear somebody say all gas, no brakes ever again, I'm going to puke. <laughs> no, seriously, on a serious note. Just how do the Gamecocks respond? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not sure that I can trust the culture. I, I'm not sure I can trust the guys behind the scenes. And I hate to say that. I really do hate to say that. But show me. Show us. And again, that's why it is the biggest storyline. I think it's the most intriguing thing to watch. for you Because you're going to see it early. You know what I mean? You're going to see it early. The South Carolina look ready to play, inspired to play. You're going to see that, you know? It's going to rear its ugly head one way or the other. So, the post champ era has begun. How does South Carolina respond? Another big storyline in this football game, and I mentioned it just a bit ago, but the COVID issues, guys, the COVID issues are a real thing on both sides of the football, by the way. So, and not necessarily South Carolina with guys actually having COVID, but what I'm talking about is a team has to have 53 scholarship players available minimum to play in a football game. I think it's that they, they can still play if they want to, but realistically, they're not going to if they don't have 53 scholarship guys that can go. Um, I know Mizzou right now, obviously, they have battled COVID issues. They missed their game last week due to COVID, and they've only got 54 guys ready to go as, as of I'm speaking to you guys right now here on a Wednesday afternoon. South Carolina, I think Mike Bobo said they're very close. They're like 56. They're flirting with that 53 number due to opt-outs and injuries and maybe guys that do have COVID that I don't know if maybe we don't know about or whatever, but very close. And again, you, might, you guys might be hearing the sound of my voice right now, and this game might be postponed. I, I hope not, but I don't know. So how is that going to impact this football game? I mean, it's, again, that's the top storyline of track as we count down the, the seconds to kickoff. I mean, will the game even happen? That's the question. So again, again, the COVID side of things, unfortunately, you know, it being 2020, just a kind of an unfortunate reality where we're at right now. But uh, you know, for sure, on the Mizzou side of things, again, I mean, they, they, you know, they they've had their issues with it badly. Again, had to had to postpone their last game. So, can these two teams field enough of of a roster to play the football game? Again, that'll be something to track as we get closer to kickoff. Another big storyline for me, and kind of on the COVID side of things, but more about South Carolina, the opt-outs. As we all know, we've talked about it in great detail this week. J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, R.J. Roderick, all opting out in that Gamecock secondary. And most importantly, McQuamu and Horn. Two guys that were your two best DBs. And we're talking about your two best DBs on a defense that has given up 159 points in the last three games. We're talking about a defense, a secondary with those two guys in the lineup that at this point in the season has given up 288 yards per game through the year and 18 passing touchdowns. Over nine yards an attempt. That's the secondary we're talking about with those two guys in the lineup, or with those three guys, we'll throw Roderick in there, whatever, with those guys in the lineup, how much of an impact does that have on the South Carolina defense without them? I mean, listen, Mizzou is no juggernaut offensively by any means. Drinkwitz is a really, really good offensive mind, a really, really good offensive coach. And I, I think in a couple of years, you know, once he gets the athletes on campus, I think he'll have that thing rolling. But they lost a lot last year offensively. Lost their quarterback, I think, both lead and wide receivers. They do have roundtree back this year. But as far as in the passing game, and I think they've managed fairly well. I mean, they're averaging, like I said, they've thrown for over 200 yards in every single game. Their quarterback's averaging 220 yards per game. Um, but again, <laughs> you have struggled so mightily defensively. I mean, it's been laughable, laughably bad. And again, that's why Will Mustaine doesn't have his job anymore. It's been laughably bad the last three weeks. 159 points in three games. How do the opt-outs affect this Carolina defense, and especially the passing defense? Again, I told you guys a couple days ago, I think spinning into a positive. You do get to see some younger guys. You get to see the Joey Hunters. You get to see the Dominic Hills. You get to see more of Cam Smith and John Dixon. You get to see the guys like O'Donnell Fortune. Jalen Dickerson play more. Jalen Foster play more. Shiloh Sanders play more. So that's the positive side of it. But on the realistic side of, hey, we got to play a game and we're going to try to win the football game. Obviously, the opt-outs of JC and Izzy don't help you in the slightest. So, I mean, what do we see from from this Carolina defense? I mean, how how do the opt-outs affect it? And then also you find out that Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson are out for the year. So, I mean, this this Carolina defense has taken a massive hit in the past week. A a Carolina defense that was already struggling, that's already given up 159 points in the last three games, something's got to give. You know, Mizzou's averaging 22 points per game. (laughs) They're not an offensive juggernaut. You know what I mean? But, like, something's got to give. But how do the opt-outs affect the USC defense? Can can South Carolina's youngsters – Can those guys that maybe haven't been playing all that much, can they step up and play some good football for South Carolina? I think that'll be really interesting. Another top storyline, moving to the other side of the ball. We got to talk about Kevin Harris leading the SEC in rushing. We all know about his fantastic game last week. And something that is still crazy, how lost in the shuffle it got. And shame on you, SEC. Shame on you for not giving Kevin Harris Offensive Player of the Week. Not even co-Offensive Player of the Week. Damn shame. I mean, it's a damn shame. Kevin Harris, five rushing touchdowns in a game, setting the all-time school record at South Carolina. My question is this. What does he do for an encore? What type of encore does Kevin Harris have in store for Gamecock fans? Hey, who who of us would have thought? Because I know certainly I didn't. Who would have thought the Gamecocks would have had a thousand yard rusher this season, especially after Marshawn Lloyd went down? I don't think anybody really realistically would have, right? I, I thought Kevin Harris would have a pretty solid season, maybe get to six or seven hundred yards, but we all thought it kind of be like a running back by committee. I mean, Harris is a hundred and what eighty three yards away? I think he's at eight seventeen, yeah, like hundred eighty three yards away. So he technically could hit it. I mean, the way he's been running the ball, he could hit it this game. But what does Kevin Harris do for an encore? Because, again, it's no secret this Gamecocks offense runs through the bus. They run through the bus. And I don't expect Mike Bobo, even though I'd like to see it, I don't expect Mike Bobo to go to stray too far away from his game plan. I think it's going to continue to be the same thing. Colin Hill is obviously still the starting quarterback. I don't see much difference in the offense. I think they're going to try to run the football, and they should be able to run it with some success. Mizzou has struggled at times, stopping the run. I mean, you take a look at their team stats. They've given up 757 rushing yards, 131 yards per game, and nine rushing touchdowns. So you can move the ball on the ground against Missouri. So I think Kevin Harris should have some success Saturday night, but what does he do for an encore? Again, I'm not expecting 250 yards and five tutties, but... It is getting more and more fun to watch the bus do his thing by the week. I mean, really, it is. Uh, another big storyline for me, Mr. Drinkwitz, we meet again. <laughs> we meet again, Eli Drinkwitz. What a storyline this is. The man who beat South Carolina last year with Appalachian State gets his opportunity yet again with the Missouri Tigers. Um and Drinkwitz, you know, got the job at Mizzou and kind of mixed feelings on the hire. An offensive guy, but just kind of mixed feelings. He's, let's be honest; he's kind of a cornball. He's kind of a nerd. Um, but good football coach, good football coach, good offensive mind. How much does that play into this game? Um, I, I just think it's a really fun and neat storyline. That again, he was the he was the head coach at Appalachian State last year and is now getting another swing at the Gamecocks with Mizzou's talent. I mean, heck, he beat South Carolina with App State's talent. What's he going to do with Missouri's? You know? So, can South Carolina maybe extract some revenge on Mr. Drinkwitz, or does he get the best of the Gamecocks yet again? And then finally, my final storyline going in this game, and again, I think one of the most important going in this football game. Mike Bobo, interim head coach, right? Things have been shuffled. They've been completely flipped. What does a Mike Bobo game plan look like versus a Will Muschamp game plan? Like, how much different do things look for South Carolina game plan-wise, scheme-wise, uh, mindset-wise, mentality-wise? How much different do things look? If the Gamecocks get to a fourth and two at the 30, are they going to kick it? Or are they going to go for it? <laughs> if they get to a fourth and four at the 50, are they going to kick it? Are they going to punt it? They're going to go for it. Are we going to see the offensive playbook maybe open up a little bit more than it has? Are we going to see, and I know he's letting T-Rob call the plays on defense and stuff like that, but hey, maybe he's going to tell T-Rob, hey, let it loose. Let it fly. Who gives a damn? Balls to the wall, baby. Call it. Blitz every play. I just wonder, because, you know, I expect Mike Bobo, for the most part, to stick to his guns, because I'm sure he's using this as well as... An audition for a new job. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to get a job after this, of course. And I I know Ray Tanner said in his presser that Mike Bobo was a realistic candidate. He's not. Bobo's not a candidate for this job. No chance. And I've seen fans clamoring, saying, oh, maybe we should keep Bobo. Number one, the next head coach is going to make that decision. But number two, it's a terrible idea. I think it's an awful idea. Appreciate Mike Bobo, what he's done. I tip my cap to him, but no thanks. I'm out on that. But I just wonder, how much different will things look now that Will Muschamp's out of the picture? Mike Bobo takes over as the interim. Again, I don't expect things to change all that much offensively. Just because, again, you're not changing quarterbacks, so how how much are you really going to change if you're not really changing scheme? But again, just the overall approach, the overall mentality, the way South Carolina goes about things. Is that a copy-and-paste format from Will Muschamp to this week? Or, you know, does Mike Bobo try to switch things up a little bit? I don't know. Get crazy with it. Throw a curveball to Mizzou. So, I'll be really interested to see what Mike Bobo does with his opportunity as the Gamecocks interim head football coach. Um, All right, let's dive into these key matchups to watch, and there are some really, really good good ones here. Key matchups to watch, guys, and they're presented to you by our friends over at Yardware signs, guy. The show is brought to you by Yardware. Yardware is a veteran owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina. They're selling must have Carolina yard and wall signs. Guys, these things are awesome. The quality, the detail, truly make them stand out. These signs are made out of 12 gauge laser cut steel and they come in both garnet and black. Football season's in full swing. Christmas is right around the corner, guys. Christmas is literally a month away. You realize that? You can order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. That's YardwareSigns.com. Also, they're on social media at YardwareSigns. Guys, like I said, again, I have mine in my studio, and you guys see it every day. You guys have probably seen it when I've had interviews and when I'm doing the Daily Crow and whenever I post clips on social media. You're always seeing the sign in there. This is a must-have for any Gamecock fan. Long before this partnership with Yardware and long after, hopefully there is no after, but if there is a long after, I will continue to promote this sign. This thing's awesome. It's a must-have for any Gamecock fan. Best part about it is it's not going to break the bank. It's only $34.95. And again, with Christmas coming up, for that Gamecock fan in your life, I mean, first things first, get one for yourself. But for that Gamecock fan in your life, you're wondering, what should I get him this Christmas? What gift would be good for him? It's just a no-brainer. I mean, it really is. And again, mine looks fantastic in the studio, but you can put it anywhere. Your yard, obviously your studio, your office, your man cave, your living room, dining room, bedroom, wherever. I I mean, this thing can literally go anywhere, and it's a great piece. And again, great stocking stuffer. If you're going to a Christmas party and there's a Gamecock fan and you got to buy them a gift, don't know what to get, guys, it's the perfect gift. So again, that's our friends at Yardware Signs. Check them out on social media Yardware Signs. That's at Yardware Signs. And their website to order your sign today is YardwareSigns.com. That is YardwareSigns.com. Calm. All right, let's have these key matchups to watch, guys, and we're going to start with the bus himself, running back Kevin Harris against linebacker Nick Bolton. And, folks, this is a fantastic matchup to watch in the running game. Again, Kevin Harris, I don't have to say anything, 817 total yards. He leads the SEC in rushing this season. Nick Bolton, on the, on the other hand, if you listened to Mike Bobo's presser, he brought up Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton, one of the best linebackers in the SEC that you probably never heard of, 53 total tackles, three tackles for loss, one sack, a really, really hard-nosed player, really solid football player. I'm pretty sure – I'm going to take a look here. I think he had a pretty solid game against South Carolina last year as well. Um, Yeah, had five tackles in the game but did have a pass deflection and two quarterback hurries. So, uh, listen, a guy that has a knack for the football, he's tough in the running game. He's big. He's physical. He makes plays for this Missouri defense. Again, South is going to have to get the running game going, so you've got to find a way to get a hat on Nick Bolton and open up those lanes for Kevin Harris. So, again, Kevin Harris against Nick Bolton, my first key matchup. My second key matchup to watch. And, again, we've talked about the opt-outs. We've talked about the secondary. What helps a struggling secondary? A great pass rush. And I've said that many times this season. South is going to have to find a way to get pressure on the Missouri quarterback. My second key matchup, J.J. Inigbari against quarterback Connor Basilak, I'm probably butchering that last name, but Connor Basilak, their starter, he's averaging 220 passing yards per game. Inigbari right now leading the Gamecocks in sacks. Um, Again, getting to the quarterback is going to be an absolute must. And and I know that might sound like an obvious, but especially for South Carolina. You know, you take a look at this game and I think the Gamecocks against Mizzou should be able to hold their own enough in the run. I, I think they'll be able to hold their own enough but, man, you're just so depleted in the secondary now. I mean, you're really hurting in that secondary. So, how, again, what helps a struggling secondary? A really good pass rush, a, a pass rush that can get to a quarterback, force him into some mistakes, maybe get it out before he wants to. You're going to have to find a way to do that because if you don't, your, your secondary is just going to get picked on all night long. So, again, J.J. Inigbari getting to the quarterback. J.J. Inigbari against Connor like my second key matchup. And then my final third and final key matchup linebacker Ernest Jones against running back Larry Roundtree the third and folks yes it does feel like Larry Roundtree has been at Missouri for like 10 years now but uh this one again on the other side a great matchup in the running game Ernest Jones obviously what he's done for South Ghana, we are all very familiar with it had 18 tackles last week against the Ole Miss Rebels Larry Roundtree comes in this one 432 yards on the ground thus far Four touchdowns. He is their bell cow back. He is their feature back. He ran for 88 yards last year against South Carolina. Um, So again, you're already going to have your hands full. You're already going to have your hands full in trying to stop the passing game, and to make up for the losses that you have in the secondary. The last thing you need to allow Mizzou to do is also get that running angle because you're going to make it damn near impossible on yourself defensively if you can't hold your own. Against the run. So again, gonna be a huge matchup. Ernest Jones against Larry Roundtree, the third. Definitely one to watch on Saturday night. All right, that's it for key matchups. Let's move into the keys to the game, guys. What does South gonna have to do to get a win against the Missouri Tigers? Keys the game, and they're presented to you by our friends over at My Bookie, guys. My Bookie between the NFL, college football, all the sports. There's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Guys, if you're the type of person that likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a cup on a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And guys, don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value, and the thing about college football, the NFL, and sports in general, the underdogs are never really dogs. Right? Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Guys, you can sign up today at mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag. And when you do, use our promo code GAMECOX to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. Guys, it's a win-win scenario for you. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start in your winning season. So again, that's promo code Gamecocks over at mybookie.ag. Promo code Gamecocks for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stack UFC cards, college football, NFL, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie. All right, guys, again, keys to the game. What does South Carolina need to do to have a chance to snap this three-game losing streak and get a big W on Saturday night, my first key to the game, guys, and I mentioned this earlier and again, this is should be no surprise to you if you've heard me talking all podcast. This is the most important thing to me in this game. That this will determine this. This one key right here will determine if South Carolina even has a chance in the football game. And my first key to the game is this: play inspired. You've got to play inspired football. Because the other option is you come out flat and you get ran out of the stadium. And the last time you were at Williams Bryce, you lost 48 to three. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. The Texas A&M game. How does this team, again, the post Must Champ era has begun? And these are all Must Champs guys. And you know they're hurting. I'm sure some of them are pissed. I'm sure many are upset. I'm sure some are are contemplating opting out or transferring or doing whatever. Can South Carolina overcome that adversity, come together as a group, play for each other, play for the name on the front of the jersey and not the back, and put their best foot forward in representing the University of South Carolina in a positive manner? So my first key to the game, play inspired. You, You simply have to. You've got to find a way to rally the troops, circle the wagons, play an inspired brand of football. My second key to the game, very simple yet again, ride the bus. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kevin Harris has been an absolute monster this year. 817 rushing yards, leading the SEC. Don't overthink this thing. Colin Hill still your quarterback. You've still got Shai Smith, yes. Don't overthink it. Continue to feed Kevin Harris until they show you they can stop it. A hundred percent, he needs to touch the ball probably at least 30 times. Run the football. The wheels on the bus go round and round, folks. Ride the bus all night long. And my third and final key to the game, and I kind of contemplated how to, to put this how to present this, because there's many different ways you could say this. Um, but again, you're going, you're, you're, you're going literally through a coaching change. The Will Muschamp era is over. You've got that monkey off your back. Mike Bobo takes over. You're looking for a head coach right now. What is there really to gain in these last three games? Probably nothing, honestly. And what is there to lose? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So my third and final key to the game, hold nothing back. Play balls of the wall, man. Let it all hang loose. Empty the playbook. How, however, throw the kitchen sink however you want to phrase it. I want to see a South Carolina football team again that has fun, that plays inspired football, that has a really good time doing it. And again, like I said, hold back for what? There's no reason to hold anything back in this game. All the plays you haven't ran at this point, all, all the things you haven't done, Now's the time, man. Now's the time to do it. Have some fun with it. Roll the dice. And and just see what happens. Hey, let the chips fall where they may. You know what I mean? Go all in and just see what happens. We'll have to see if Mike Bobo and company do that. Again, three keys to the game. Play inspired, ride the bus, and hold nothing back. So that's my preview. That's my breakdown of Missouri. I will have my prediction on the show tomorrow Really good stuff. And I'll tell you guys, I'm really fired up. I'm excited for this game. I think it's a really, really intriguing game. And I, again, we can talk everything on the field with the matches, but I'm just so intrigued to see how this South of football team mentally responds to everything that's happened. Do they rally the troops? Do they come together, play for one another? Or do we see a team that's flat? Woe is me pointing the finger. I'll be interested. All right. We've actually got a fair amount of voicemails, by the way. So, I am going to dive into these voicemails really quickly if I can find a starting point. And let's see. Let's start here. All right, let's go ahead and dive in these voicemails. Hey,
2: Chris. I just wanted to call in and ask, what do you think, like how many more big names do you think opt out or leave after the season or during the season, like as in play right now, like just like Izzy did and just like JC did? I was just curious on what your
1: take is mm-hmm. on that. No. Yeah, I'm doing. All right, yeah, man. Thanks for the voicemail for sure. Um, how many more guys opt out? How many more big names opt out? I don't know about big names, but I, I I'd be shocked if there isn't at least one more guy to opt out. Again, it, it's a tough question to answer because it's on a player by player basis. So you know, again, I, it's hard to predict. Oh, that guy's gonna opt out, or that guy's gonna transfer. I mean, it's really how they each individually feel about it. But I have to think, man, there's going to be, you know, tonight we have the call-in show, I'd imagine, with Mike Bobo. I'm pretty sure that's still going on. Um, It kind of surprised me if he didn't announce there was at least one more guy that had opted out. So, you know, we'll see. And, and heck, it may go to game day. We may not even find out on game day a guy opted out. But I – big names, again, I don't know. It's really hard to predict. But I think it's almost safe to say at this point that – there probably will be an opt-out somewhere else on this football team. But we'll have to wait and see. But appreciate the call. Hey, Chris. Thanks for taking my call. Still
3: digesting the news for the past couple days. Definitely bittersweet. Um, It's sweet because I think it's pretty evident we needed a change. I think that's pretty much the consensus the fans have. 6-14 in the last 20 games is proof enough that there needed to be a change. But I think it's okay to admit that it is a little bitter. I mean, we all wanted this to work out with Will Muschamp. He did some good things with upgrading the facilities. And, I mean, let's be honest. You hear from and see the head coach more than you do the players. So, you feel like you build a little something there. And I was a defender of him. I was probably a defender of him too long. Uh, He really lost me after the A&M game. I should have seen the writing on the wall a little bit sooner than that. But so be it. But I'm, bottom line, happy and excited for the new era of Gamecock football. But, I wanted to talk about a disturbing trend that I'm seeing. I'm sure you would echo the same sentiment is as we're seeing more opt outs and we're going to see transfers soon. I hate seeing our fans badmouth these kids on Twitter and particularly replying to their tweets where they're announcing their decision. I want to say to all of our fans, that is a bad look. I know people say it doesn't affect recruiting. It doesn't reflect people's outlook on the program. Even if that's true, it's just a bad look as a fan. We say, we say football is a business, and that's why you have to make someone unemployed, a la Will champ, You have to make a tough decision. Well, football is about to be these kids' business. And I don't blame a guy like J.C. Horn or Israel McQuamu one second because they are trying to ensure that they make their millions of dollars in a situation that has gone downhill. So from one Gamecock fan speaking and pleading to other Gamecock fans, unless you are wishing these kids well and are wishing them the very best in their next school or their next step in their career, keep it to yourself. it's a bad look. And that's not what Gamecocks are about. Gamecocks are about family sticking together and let's just support these kids in a tough time. That's all I got to say. Go Cox. I'm excited for the future and let's go get a W at some point for the remainder of the year to get a little bright spot.
1: Yeah, Tim, very well said. And I appreciate the call, man. It's great to hear from you. Um, first things first to address the first thing you were talking about. Yeah, I do agree with you. It, it is bittersweet. Uh, we, we all wanted it to work out. That's the main point I try to make to everyone, even someone like myself that, you know, has been on the fire must champ train for, you know, obviously much longer than you have and much longer than a lot of people. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not because we did not want it to work out. And I said many times after, you know, I, I jumped on that, that wagon, if you will, after the UNC game last year, I wanted to be wrong. I mean, flat out wanted to be wrong. Um, it was nothing that, nothing personal with Muschamp. Just didn't win enough games. I, again, I, I don't have to go into the details of it. We all know at this point. So it, it is bittersweet because I, I think Muschamp did embrace South Carolina, and it would have been you know everybody loves a good comeback story, and I, I think it would have it would have fit in well with you know being a game cock and you know we kind of feel like we have the chip on our shoulder, and we're sort of kind of the you know we're, we're sort of the kind of the left out or the underdog, if you will. And I, I thought Muschamp sort of went in well with that. Again, bottom line, just did not win enough games. And I agree it's sweet that, you know, again, we get to start that new era of Gamecock football. Um, as far as your comments regarding, you know, fans going at J.C., Izzy, any player that decides to opt out transfer, um, you know, it, it's funny. I, and I, not even just about this, but on Twitter, on social media, you know, there used to be a slogan, right? There, there used to be a slogan that our parents taught us. And I don't know if parents still teach this. But if you got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know what I mean? And here's because, and what I mean by that is this: because I agree with you, it's it's silly. You accomplish nothing, and it's a bad look to go into somebody's mentions, JC, Izzy, any of these players, and <clears throat> attack them. You know, to go at them for for making a business decision. You know, here's the thing: I, I want to follow up with this too. You don't have to like it. I mean. I don't love the decision. I don't love it. I'll, I'll admit that. But I, I'm not going to demean the guy for it. Hey, I totally get it. It's a business decision. I understand why you're doing it. More power to you. Best of luck in the league. You're still a Gamecock. You played good football for us. And we'll be cheering on for you from afar. But again, I also followed it up with, hey. And again, it was no slight to them. But hey, all we got is all we need. I, just wanna, I want 22 guys that want to play. If you don't want to play, no hard feelings. I think you heard Mike Bobo kind of say the same thing. It's like, hey, no hard feelings. Best of luck to you. You're doing what's best for you. We're going to do what's best for us. We're going to move on. So, again, I would say to the fans, and Tim, again, thank you so much for the call because you bring up some great points. You don't have to like it. You you don't. And that really goes for any walk of life. You don't have to agree. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it. But always remember, number one, not everybody was raised like you. Not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody acts like you. Not everybody agrees with you. And number two, just because they don't act like you and agree with you and think like you, that's no reason to attack somebody personally. You know? Because, I mean, I, I'll tell you, and again, I'm again, I'm not trying to have a sap story for myself. But, hey, I've dealt with this on social media. People coming at me personally and you know, uh, two, three years ago when I was first getting going with the Spurs, which I I didn't know how to handle that. And that's why I I got into a lot of back and forth on social media. You don't see me doing that anymore. I've either got people muted or I see it and I laugh it off because I feel sorry for the people that are saying it. So again, bottom line is this, Tim, fantastic call. I agree with you 100%. And listen, fans, you can think they're quitters. You can think they're scumbags. You can think they're pieces of shit. I don't care what you think. But, yeah, the, the, you know, what, do you, what do you accomplish when you go on Twitter and you tell J.C. Horn he's a quitter and he's a piece of shit? I mean, what, what does that do for you? What does that do? You know what I mean? So, just think before you do it. And, and I, I will say this, too, Tim. I want everybody to keep in mind. It is a very, very, very small portion that does that. But they are the loudest. So, you know, that's the, the, the gift and the curse of social media. Everybody has a voice. And again, that's a gift, and that can be a curse at times. So again, just, I'm not telling anybody how to live their lives, but Tim makes a great point. Just just, just use good judgment. Use common sense. Think to yourself before you hit send. Should I really be saying this? And What is this going to accomplish? Is this going to put positivity and goodness in the world or negativity and something mean? Like, just think about that. If you believe in karma, you won't do something like that. So again, Great call, Tim. No, I, I love it. I, l- I love your perspective, and uh, I really do appreciate the call. All right, let's, let's keep diving these voicemails. We've got a fair number of them. Hey, Chris. This is Jonathan from Greer, South Carolina.
2: Uh, you know, obviously our, our focus shifts to Mizzou this week, but I've been seeing, of course, all these guys opting out uh, for the rest of the year after Will Muschamp was fired. and I just think it, it tells us a lot about the Will Muschamp uh, culture. Uh, in the locker room, and I've I commented this on, on some of the Instagram posts, but I feel like what has happened, and this has happened across college football too, but it seems more so in, in this locker room is that we've got a bunch of me guys. Uh, it's all about me, and I think that's why you see a guy like Shai Smith Um, talk junk all the time when he's on a losing football team and he takes his helmet off in the end zone like he's never scored a touchdown before. It's while there's a disconnect on defense it's a me thing that's why we can't stop the run I'm going to make this big play rather than I'm going to stay in my gap so the whole team makes a tackle. Um, I think that's the disconnect is that it's all about me you know I know that there's Guys like J.C. Who are chasing first-round picks and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's, it's happened more and more in college football. Uh, the guys opting out of bowl games um, to get that big-money contract. Uh, so it's been shifting in that direction.
1: All right, appreciate the call. Sorry about that. The, uh, the voicemail cut off for some reason. But I, I will say this to your point. Um, as far as the opt-outs and the transfers and the portal, and, and it's really, like you said, it's become into the fabric of college football. Um, I think what fans are starting to realize, because again, I I, I don't want to speak too much to individual players. I, I mean, I appreciate Shaw Smith, and yes, he's had some moments for sure. I mean, the old Miss game where he takes his helmet off, just extremely undisciplined. And I, I think we've started to see this week, again, I'll reiterate, that. The culture maybe wasn't as perfect behind closed doors for South Carolina as we thought it was. But I will say this with, again, you seeing the increase in opt-outs and transfers and what have you, I think what fans are starting to realize, and it's not a positive or negative, it just is, okay? What fans are starting to realize is your favorite player doesn't, most likely, I'll say, doesn't love your school as much as you do or as much as you think he does or as as much as you would like him to. These guys are using these schools as a platform to the NFL. That's just the bottom line. And that's not just South Carolina. That's basically everywhere. You know, there are a few guys that go to these schools and play, and, and, I mean, they are just like a diehard fan afterward. It's kind of like just, eh, whatever. You know what I mean? And, again, that's, that's not a – because you know what? At the end of the day, the school's using them too. School's making hella of money off of them. So, it, it's, it's just kind of that relationship where it's an agreement, hey, we're going to use each other for our gain and, you know, whatever. But that's why I think guys – you see, I mean, those, those guys, it's, it's a no-brainer for them to opt out. It's a no-brainer for them to transfer, to leave, do whatever, the, to benefit their situation, for it to be about me. And again, I I know that's not the most popular thing, and we don't like to see it. We don't love to see it, but it's just a reality. But again, to your original, or to, to the first point I think you were making, I will agree with you that some of the things that have happened since Will Muschamp got fired are definitely showing cracks in the armor in regards to South Carolina's culture. Just my opinion. So we got two more voicemails, and then we'll get in your questions, and then we'll go to our interview and close the show out, guys.
4: Yeah, what to do, Chris? Um, you probably gonna get tired of me calling in every <laughs> every week, but you know I had to call in uh, this week with the happy news of much champ fine. Uh, this is a, one thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about two things. One thing is a shame about all these, you know. Caroline game, because and I understand why J.C. and Izzy, why they opting out, they have a chance to make some money in the NFL, but for people like R.J., I mean, I think it's pretty obvious of why they opted out uh, this whole season, and it kind of makes me wonder, you know, like, why wait all this time to opt out? It was, it was like they was okay with losing. That's why I kind of think, you know, them boys, they was all about self. They didn't care if they won or lost. They just cared about individual accomplishments, you know. I just made me think about that. And also, where, where's your mind with the head coach? I know you probably won't get this, but uh, I was just watching the news, and it um, it was some news talking about how two Crimson uh, coordinators were responding to the U.S. opening, and they interviewed uh, Venerable's and He didn't say yes, nor did he say no. He was like, you know, I really don't want to talk about that right now. So I don't. I, I never thought that he would leave Clemson, but I'm pretty sure if he wants to make some money and become a head coach, I mean, why not be USC? You know, i mean Um, it's, it's still in the state of South Carolina. You know, I would. I would love to take a Brett Venables. or uh, I think his name is Todd Ellis, the offensive coordinator. I would love to take either one of them. So I would just love to see he That I don't think those two are going to move move about seriously, but those are just two candidates that I don't think nobody's been talking about that, you know, I would love to have at USC. All right, just want to come in talk some some gamecock football. I'm
1: out. Hey, man, appreciate the voicemail as always. Never get tired of you calling in, by the way. Um, really quick, we kind of talked about the opt-out situation already. I mean, listen, a guy like RJ, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't want to make any assumptions. Is he really fearful of COVID? Who knows? Is he the guy that you know, he's just pissed off because Mustaine got fired. Heck, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I think we <laughs> – I mean, <laughs> this is called for what it is. I certainly don't think we're thinking he's leaving to go to the draft or anything like that. Um, but, uh, no, the second part, as far as the coaching search, I, I don't think South is going to really go after Brent Venables or Tony Elliott, which is the OC at Clemson. I would hate the Venables hire because it's another defensive coordinator – and I just think you need to go after an offensive-minded guy, an aggressive, offensive dude. Like, I, I give me a break from the DCs, okay? Give me a break from a defensive coordinator. Um, I, I don't think Tony Elliott's either. I'm thinking right now, if I had to put my money on it, I would say Billy Napier. That's just me. But, uh, yeah, gun to head, I would probably say Napier. Running. All right, let's get one more voicemail, and then we'll fly through these listener questions, and we'll wrap it up.
4: Hey, what's up, Chris? Man, this Paris from uh, South Carolina. Yeah, man. I think, I think if you honestly just ask me, I think that we should throw the bag at Billy Napier. I think Billy Napier should be the man, or should be our head coach. If not him, Jamie Cowell. I like Shane Beamer. I just don't trust him like that. But I think Billy Napier and Jamie Cowell should be the top two two choices. Now, if you were to ask me who I think should be our Splash is definitely Hugh Freeze. I think this. I, I think I was dream pick. What I would make tell me no is Urban Meyer. Just my opinion. Go, Cubs.
1: Yeah, man. Paris, appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. No, I, I I pretty much agree with you on all fronts. I mean, I I like Billy Napier, and I think you can get him for cheap. That's the thing. I don't think you have to, you know, crazy throw the bag at him somewhere between probably three and three and a half million dollars a year. I think you could probably get him for. Um, I don't hate the Shane Beamer hire to be totally honest. I I don't hate it. I I love the ties he has to South Carolina and he really, I think the thing, the thing I really love, he has the endorsement from a lot of former Gamecocks that were there during the glory years. And anytime you get an endorsement like that, I I think that is, you know, a really nice vote of confidence. Um, You know, Hugh Freeze, I agree would be the splash. I feel like that would be the one everybody's expecting you to make. And then, yeah, I would, I would certainly I would certainly make Overmeyer tell me no. I mean, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm alone in that. I understand he's not the most, but neither, you know, neither is uh neither is uh Hugh Freeze as far as an upstanding human being. Um but uh no, I, I'd make I'd make him tell me no. I'd make him tell me no. I mean, again, realistically, is that gonna happen? Probably not. But yeah, right now, like I said, guys, gun to head, I, I would say that Billy Napier, <clears throat> that that to me is the most likely of the candidates out right now. It, it just, for whatever reason, to me, you know, it, it seems like, it seems like all signs point towards Billy Napier. So, I could be wrong, but man, it, it just, where there's smoke, there's fire, and on the Napier side of things, it feels like there's a lot of smoke right now. So, again, let's get in your listener questions. We'll knock these out really, really quickly. Uh, John Baylor, let's see, John, John B. Ayler-Altman-1 your opinion on the quarterback situation. I, I'd love to see somebody else in there. I mean, listen, I, I have nothing against Colin Hill, but again, at this point, if you're going to play balls to wall, if you're going to hold nothing back, let it all hang loose, why not play Luke Doty? I mean, at this point, why not? You know what I mean? Like, I know Mike Bobo's still trying to win football games and all that good stuff, but man, just just why not? Um, You know, is what it is, whatever. They're going to play Colin Hill probably, but I'd love to see some other guys get in there. Um, let's see. Adam underscore Madison is atrocious as this defense is. What can we do to at least compete? Get pressure on the quarterback. Get pressure on the quarterback. You give yourself a chance. Evan Dot Getty's 35. How do you feel about JC and Izzy? Wish them best of luck. No hard feelings. Um, appreciate what they did for the University of South Carolina. D Robes four. Must created the culture where five wins is okay. He created a non competitive team. Um, like I said, all I'll say is this I don't think the culture was as perfect as some made it out to be. Let's see. Chris Jowers seven. I know it won't happen, but how would you feel if we took a chance on Connor Shaw as the head coach? Again, it's a feel good story. It's awesome to have Connor on the sidelines for Carolina, but as the head coach guys, he needs some coaching experience. So, I mean, not, not yet, not yet. Brendan underscore Smith 47. Why aren't more people talking about Luke fickle? I think Fickle's a big 10 guy. Also defensive minded guy. I'd rather not. Uh, Carolina living. We're going to have a defense by Saturday. That is the million dollar question. My friend, uh, Jay Painter 71, does Horn's draft stock fall? To me, his opt-out says, when things are hard, he quits. No, I, I don't think it makes it fall. I don't think the NFL looks at it and cares that much. Plus, his dad is Joe Horn. You don't think that's going to help? I think it does. Uh, last question, Zan underscore Wallace, will we be going 3-0 or 0-3 in the next three games? More than likely, more likely 0-3 than 3-0. You're not beating Georgia. There's no way you're going 3-0. So, if I have to pick one, I'll say 0-3. So, again, guys, thank you so much for the questions, for the voicemails, for always engaging, being interactive. You guys make this a blast, by the way. So, thank you so much. Now, sit back, relax, enjoy, because, boy, do we have a fantastic interview for you guys. Aldrick Fordham, former Gamecocks defensive lineman, joins the show. I mean, again, we dive into everything. His path to South Carolina, Steve Spurrier, going to the SEC title in 2010, back-to-back 11-win back seasons, going 4-0 against Clemson, and Aldrich. A fantastic human being, fantastic person. Uh, Guys, again, thank you so much, all of you, for tuning in. Um, Ready for the game on Saturday. Can't wait to see what this South Carolina football team has in store against Mizzou. So, guys, again, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Aldrick Fordham. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2009 to 2012. During his career, he had 45 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Of course, guys, he was part of some of the best defenses in Gamecocks history. I'm very pleased to be joined by former South Carolina defensive lineman Aldrich Fordham. Aldrich, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on.
5: Uh, no problem, man. I'm happy to be here.
1: For sure. So let's go back to the beginning for you, Aldridge, because you are a guy from the state of South Carolina, Jamestown, South Carolina. You played your high school ball at Timberland. You were a three-star prospect coming out of high school, but a highly regarded prospect, I will add. Just talk about the recruiting process for you. You came into South Carolina at a really, really good time. Obviously, Steve Spurrier was kind of building everything up. He was, he was building up and culminating in what you guys did in 2010, 11, and 12. But just talk about the recruiting process. When did South Carolina come into it? What made you decide to, uh, to become a Gamecock?
5: um the the process was pretty easy for me um, I know I wanted to stay close to home um honestly I was never really a fan of Clemson, so that that was really <laughs> that was really out of it um mm. I did fell in love with Wake Forest at mm. first, but it was you know, like I think it was like four and a half hours, five hours away, mm. which to me that was, that was too far away um so I mean I made my decision really early. I think I made it like. I've, I've told Coach Spurrier that Spurrier Junior. He was my recruiter. I think I told him, like my summer of my junior year, but I, I knew before that, that that's that's where I was going to go. So, and right. I, I I didn't really like all the the I guess the recruiting, the the love, the show, the calling,
1: the right, the hoopla, man, the attention. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. So, so I, you I was, you would have really you'd have really struggled with that now today, man. That's like all it is. I mean, it's just like yeah, oh, yeah. here's my top fifteen, and guys are nah. putting out graphics, and you're like, oh my god.
5: I would never do that, yeah. man. I just wanted to make my commitment, get off the board, um, stay out the limelight, just, you know, go to school, do what I got to do, and uh, get to work. So, I,
1: Yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious to ask you, Aldrick, before we really dive into your career, um, talk about, because obviously you were a defensive lineman in high school, were you more of a tackle or an end? Because I know you were kind of a guy, when you look at your height and weight, was sort of a tweener, and I know you kind yeah. of slid inside and outside. Like, what what was the plan, I guess, for you personally, and I guess once you got on campus, like did they want to play you more inside and outside? Of course, I want to talk to you about this in a little bit, but I know you played for the great Brad Lawing. And he he actually I had him on I had him on my show uh about a two months ago or so. And he he talked about you and Clowney and how he would use you guys in pass rush and really cool stuff. But what what was the plan for you? Were you more of an inside guy, outside guy? Cause like I know when you look at your height and weight, I feel like you were a guy that could do a little bit of both.
5: Um, I I never played inside in high school until I think my senior year, and I think Coach Long himself had uh, probably contacted my high school coach mm-hmm. and just told him to see if he can, you know, put me down there a little bit to see how how it would do. Um, it was like I, I want to say maybe two games, and in, in my senior year, I, I played inside a little bit. I, I had a little bit of success. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't really care, man. I just just wanted to play. Just,
1: just get on the field and ball out for sure. That's yeah, a good, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a good attitude to have. So, of course, you know, you mentioned Coach Spurrier. i got to ask you about Steve Spurrier. You played for the, the Hall of Famer, the legend. Um, just talk about, again, you talked about Spurrier Jr. Those first interactions, though, with Coach Spurrier, what was it like being around him again? He's got a different relationship with everybody, especially the defensive guys. Uh, and I know you guys gave his offenses hell in practice. But, uh, yeah, what was the relationship like with Coach Perry? What do you remember most, I guess, from being around him?
5: Uh, uh, he's just a funny guy, man. He, he's very down-to-earth. Um, he spoke to everybody, whether he was a, a walk-on or if he was, you know, counter-shar or clowny. Like, he, he spoke to you just like you speak to everybody else. So, as long as you didn't, you know, get in trouble, you came to practice, work hard, uh, he didn't – no, he really didn't bother you. Um, he didn't do too much with defense. Um, so um never really see him in our meetings. Um, only time we I would really interact with him is during special teams meetings and and practice if you know we were going against each other and stuff like that. But um, he I mean he was pretty cool to me. Um, I didn't really get to be hands-on with him as much as <laughs> offensive guys. So
1: right now no, some of
5: us sure. that'd be a good thing, you yeah. know, not having to deal with your head coach but too much, but um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say he he let those defensive guys kind of kind of handle their business. Uh, I I want to ask you about just the overall the state of the program. You know, Aldrich, when you got there, because like I said, you got there at a really interesting time. You know, Steve Spurrier was building those first couple of years, and then I really think 2009 you kind of started to see you know what was happening, the wheels turning, and then of course 2010 you guys go on the run, go to the SEC title game, and then. Eleven and twelve and thirteen just speak for themselves. But could you kind of feel that when you got there? I mean, was that what sort of was sold to you and told you that hey, we're just we're just a couple pieces away from really getting this thing rolling and you know contending to go to Atlanta?
5: Yeah, that's that's what they you know I think all recruiters will will feed you that like mm-hmm. you know we're almost there you know we're working on something big. But when I when we got there in, in two thousand nine, um, when we got to like spring training. Uh-oh, not spring training the fall practice like it was so competitive man especially all the guys that was in my class the 2009 class like mm. most people want to come in if, if they know they're not going to start you know they, they may have the mindset like hey i want a red shirt but everybody in my class that came in we we bust that ass um <laughs> hey we you know we competed in practice so like you know Devonte holliman dj swearinger alshon jeffrey uh demario jeffrey myself um uh, Dd like we had a lot of guys that came in that you know provided on the field. Justice Cunningham like mm. that actually contribute as freshmen. And you know when you got young people coming in as freshmen, that's you know basically showing off, showing out the the older guys. Then that's going to make them compete harder because um, you know in most programs, if you if you got somebody that's younger that can produce for four years give you good time for four years, then you got somebody that's, you know, that can give you another year and you're going to go ahead and put that young guy in. So yeah. I think, you know, and even in the class before that, like, you know, they had a lot of good players also like uh, Travian, uh, Melvin, um, Cully, um, Steven Garcia. We had like a lot of older guys that were, you know, athletes and then, you know, our class came in that, that could fill in. And then we had a couple of recruiting classes after that. So it was, it was very competitive in practice. I, I will tell you that.
1: Yeah, Audrick, you bring up a great point, too. And something that I think uh, when I had DJ on the show, he sort of echoed as far as busting people's ass. And I think it just kind of goes back to, you know, like I said, you were a three-star prospect at a high school. But, I mean, none of that mattered. And DJ kind of echoed that, just saying one star to five star, you put on your pads the same way. We're bringing the goon squad mentality. We're coming at you. And I just – I feel like, again, you guys sort of – and that's something I think South Carolina is trying to get back to right now is having that swagger and having that edge. And you guys really played – with that chip on your shoulder like the goon squad mentality was a real thing for you guys whether it was practice whether it was a game like that was a a forever mood for you guys every time you took the field
5: yeah and man uh d-line coach coach long he don't get a lot of credit but he's a Mm -hmm. big part of that like he was on 1000 every day in practice (laughs) like you're not gonna you're not gonna walk you're not gonna jog like you're not gonna give half effort like he he was on you like even if, you know, he don't promote you to fight, but, right. you know, stuff get testy and if you don't like show that you have that mindset that you're going to fight back and you're not going to let nobody push you over, he's going to let you hear about it. Like, you don't want anybody walking over you and, you know, as a, as a defensive line, we set that tone and, um, you know, we had DBs like DJ Swanger who was, you know, very vocal that, you know, he's ready to lay that, lay that wood at any time <laughs> in practice, so. Yeah, it, it was fun, man. Coach Long was a really big part of that. Like he—he's—he's he's a smart guy. Like he knew the defense from DBs to to D linebackers to D linemen. Like he knew every single thing about it. Like he could be a defensive coordinator if he wanted to. I—I I just think he would just rather just you know work with the
2: yeah. D line. No,
1: so, it, dude, it was it was crazy having him on my show and having him talk about pass rush. And I mean, the dude's a mastermind. I was yeah. I, I, my mind was blown. Like you never yeah. think there's the it truly the art of the pass rush. Like it's not just go after the quarterback. It is it is a chess game that he would play with I mean, you, offensive if lines.
5: At, if you look at his time at South Carolina, we've had so many defensive yeah. linemen come from him. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, like, setting he, sack he records him. and everything.
1: Yeah. Was just, yeah. He was an I,
5: asshole, but he, he knew his stuff. Man. <laughs> like, guess, everybody respected him. Yeah. Everybody no,
1: him. Yeah. hey, that's normally the best ones are like that, though. Hey, Coach yeah, Spurrier yeah. was like that, too. I, I want to get yeah. to your freshman season, Aldrich, because, again, we talked a little off air, but you were a true freshman in 2009. The red shirt was taken off of you for the South Carolina State game. You had four tackles in that one. You ended up playing in six games, uh, mainly on special teams, but you did contribute that freshman year. Just talk about that first year for you. What was that like? What did you learn? Um, did you expect to have the red shirt pulled? did it? You know, I'm sure it benefited you in the long run, obviously, getting those reps, but just overall, break down that freshman year for you. Um,
5: I, I thought I was going to red shirt. Um, I think when I came in, like, it kinda of pissed me off. But well, when I came in and, in, in uh like the first uh fall practice, he had like the depth chart on the board. And like I was like last on, um, you know, defensive end, I was last at D tackle, he had my name down twice. I was like, I was bottom of everything, walk-ons <laughs> and everybody. So it kind of pissed me off. So, you know, when I came out there and practice and stuff, you know, I, I worked my ass off and he saw that, you know, I, I was somebody that was tough. So um like we did like a like a little scrimmage so he's like you know i go down there you know de-tackle you we'll just see what you can do and i you know being who i am you know just coming off the ball i made a couple of tackles and at that time i was like i played basketball in high school so when i came in i was like 220 maybe wow so when we, yeah when we get to fall camp maybe i'm 225 230 because i only did like one month of summer training before we did. Uh, that's, fall camp. that's
1: slim for a D lineman. That's oh yeah, that's yeah, pretty, yeah. That's yeah. pretty
3: slim.
5: <laughs> yeah. So man, I I I tell my boys now, said, man, I, I could have rested if I was just happening to come in and be lazy, you know.
3: <laughs> but no, I, I wanted oh, to work hard,
5: and you know, he yeah. respected that. And I, it was some other unfortunate stuff that happened. Like, mm. um, uh, Lottie Aldeboy was suspended for like three games. Right. Right. So, you know, he had me travel with the team just in case they needed me because we still had Tra- Travion Robinson, Nathan Pepper, and Melvin Angelo. He was rotating those three guys interior. Um, and he just had me just in case, you know, if somebody was to get hurt or whatever, then, you know, I would have to pull my red shirt. Mm. And that third week, which I was, all right, cool, this is week three. Um, well, week four is coming up. This is the last game before Lottie comes back. We're going to have four interior you know, we got like three or four de- um, defensive ends. I'm going to have my red shirt and I'm, I'm safe. Then that's when Trey Robinson tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. So now we got another man down. So now I'm back in that that fold of, you know, having to travel. And, you know, he, he came to it and ended up putting my red shirt. I, I they had to make the decision. I, I think at a certain week,
1: you got to make a decision. Right, right.
5: Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm sure it was
1: valuable experience for you I mean, if nothing else I mean just yeah you know, yeah, yeah it was good right. with, I, was, I, you
5: know. I was able to travel with the team I just seen that whole process of you know mm-hmm. having to you know, how they do how they work on the road the game plans that kind of stuff because when kids race you know you don't come to like all the meetings and stuff mm-hmm. like that, especially like that Thursday meeting that Friday meeting that we have before we travel you don't you don't get to see all that so yeah. I mean it was a good experience for me.
1: For sure. So since we're talking about 2009, and obviously that year, um, you also did go four and zero against the Clemson Tigers, which I know that probably feels really, really good to say, um, especially being an in-state guy. Like you said, you didn't you didn't care too much for Clemson growing up, but just uh, uh-huh. you know, started in 2009, ending in 12, and I I think uh, DJ talked about that too. You know, he, he told me the hilarious story him telling Dabo I will never lose to Clemson, and sure enough, he he kept true on his promise. I know you know he was part of that with you, obviously never losing to Clemson, but just. Just talk about that, man. Playing in that rivalry, overall, what's that? What that's like? I mean, especially for you in the trenches. I know those battles get really intense, but uh, man, I mean, it's got to feel good to sit here and say four zero against Clemson. That's something nobody can ever take away from you.
5: That that rivalry's real, man. Like even our freshman year when we beat them that first time, we, we had we won like what seven games, maybe spanked them, spanked them, yeah, yeah, we spanked them. But uh, Coach Long told us, he like, hey, you know, we we won uh, six games. It's like I'm gonna tell you, if you beat Clemson, all those other games that you lost do not matter. <laughs> and he yeah. was right, man. We we, who, we yeah. Clemson and man, it was just like, you know, we won an SEC championship or something like <laughs> a, around. And you know, I have a, yeah. a, a high school coach, um, Rick Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's my offensive line coach. And he uh he's a Clemson grad. So, you oh, know, man. it was good to it was good to rub in his face every year that you know that we, we beat Clemson. And and to this day we still call each other after every game, but I stopped answering the last yeah. couple of
1: years. <laughs> yeah, you've had to. Like I said though, can't take it away. 4 no against Clemson on the field. So, um going in that 2010 season, obviously. So you play in all 14 games. Um and we all know what happens in 2010. You guys have a special year. You you win the SEC East, go to the SEC title, still the only gamecock team ever in school history to do so. Coming into that year, Aldrich, um did you sort of feel that coming? Well, was that something where you sort of looked around or you at practice and you're like, you know, we got a chance to be really, really good this year?
5: Um, I thought we was going to be really good, but I, I don't think any of us was thinking like, you know, right. SEC championship kind of good. Um, mm. that, that thought more came the year after. Um, right, we, right. We got, yeah, some more people in and stuff like that. But we all felt like we were a really good team. We was, we was really good defensively. And we just feel like, you know, if, if offense can get us 28 points or not even 28, if, if they can get 17 to 20 points, like we, we feel like we can beat anybody. Um There's a few teams that give us struggles like Arkansas that would spread us out. Um, and then dealing with Cam, you know, he was just, you know, he yeah, took over. he was over Superman.
1: The, the, he was Superman. Yeah, yeah,
5: he, he took over. So um, yeah. uh, we probably were pretty good, man. We worked hard. Um We was a, a, a tight group. Like everybody, you know, over the summer, we played basketball together. We would go out together. Like it was, you know, it was, it was a fun time, man. The locker room was fun. Everybody played played with each other. You know. it wasn't no beef. It wasn't no right. you know, animosity between each other. Um, we didn't take it easy on one another. Whether you, you know, me and Justice were roommates. He was a tight end. I was a DN. Like mm-hmm. I brung it, I brung it to him just as well as he brung it to me. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, we was out there to make each other better,
1: and the show. Yeah, Justice was a real tenacious guy too. The way he played the game. I, I want to ask you twenty. So twenty ten, you had. Correct me if I'm wrong. You had a fumble recovery in the Troy game, correct? Yeah, I did. Okay, so for whatever reason, this other this other website I was on, they didn't have the fumble recovery listed, but Gamecocks Online has got us covered. So I wanted to make sure because I want to give you your credit. Because 2010, there's a lot of games you can talk about. Alabama, Florida. I mean, you know, just that entire run. But I want to stick to you specifically. Because I'm sure looking back for you on your career, that one probably stands out. You recover a fumble. And, and it got, you guys take care of business against Troy, obviously. But you recover a fumble. It leads to a touchdown two plays later. But for you, what did that mean as far as kind of your, your first big play in Garnet and Black? Again, I'm sure that had to be something, you know, obviously I'm sure the emotions were running high when it happened. But again, for you to get your first big play as a Gamecock and to make an impact, um, just, just kind of talk about that. What do you, what do you remember from that?
5: Uh, it it just gave you like you know confidence like you know you you come from being in high school being one of the best players in your state one of the best players on your team and now you're on that next level you need to feel some validation like hey I belong here I can I can do this uh, so that was just one of those moments man that you know, solidified my mind like hey I, I can I can do this so uh, it's just something small but it's big to anybody that to, to finally make one play to to feel comfortable out there.
1: For sure. So, and of course, we can talk about the rest of 2010, obviously, because there's so much. I mean, what you're just your favorite memories. I mean, again, you you still stand out and you can still carry this with you forever, at least right now that, you know, on the only Cox team that went to Atlanta, won the SEC East. Just just talk about your favorite memories from that year, because, again, we could spend the entire show just talking about 2010. And really, we could just break down each year and spend an entire podcast on it. But uh you know, you think of Alabama at home, you think of going to Florida and beating up on them. And then, you know, it didn't go your way in Atlanta, of course, but I have to imagine that experience was just absolutely incredible.
5: Um, I, I think the the Alabama one, man, that that yeah. was um nobody thought we was gonna win. Um mm-hmm. I think it was after practice, Coach Spurrier said something like slick. Um I can't remember what it was, man. It was just like after after the after practice, he was like Almost basically saying, like, trying not to get your ass kicked or something like that, <laughs> of that sort. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he meant it or he right. was just trying to say something to, you know, Fire spark something on him. So, right. you know, when he said it, everybody was just looking around, like, damn, he they, they, they really just said that. And, you know, laid <laughs> out there. We came, Alabama came in and we, we got on them pretty quick. Um, you know, once, anybody once we got up like you know we scored like those three touchdowns yeah. i'm like right, it's it's gonna be tough for anybody to right. especially with our defense and in alabama like to run a football i'm like uh, you know ain't too many people just gonna right. you know run it down our throat and you know right yeah you, after i mean you guys
1: you guys right. held mark you know all the talk was mark ingram and i think trent richardson was on that team yeah, yeah. yeah both of the all the talk was the two-headed monster and I mean, I think you held those guys. You guys held them like 50 rushing yards. I think maybe. Yeah. So.
5: Ain't too many. Ain't, ain't too many teams ran on us. Um, right. Like LSU gave us trouble, mm. um, just because like they they would get like three yards, like mm. every play. Like you know they were they were big up front. We was a smaller D line, so if we do make contact, they fall forward. It's, it's three yards. Right. But nobody was really like breaking ten run, ten yard runs, eight yard runs. You know, twenty yard runs on us like that at all. I th- I could think of one team, Kentucky, and I want I want I don't know if it was my freshman sophomore year when Randall Cobb they were doing that Wildcat that was pretty big at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he ran for like two hundred yards in right. that Wildcat stuff, and then Campbell, of course, he he ran for us. Yeah. On, Super but other than that, nobody else. If if you was gonna beat us, you, you was gonna spread us out like Arkansas. You was gonna make passes on the field, but you're, right. you're not. And not running
1: on us yeah for sure i i wanted to ask you just that bama game again we could jump ahead because i mean you played in just some of the best games in school history in you know, a 2012 georgia and uh some of those games in 11 some of those clemson wins and stuff but where, where does that bama game rank for you I, I i gotta imagine that's like maybe the best if not the best you know second best or whatever game you ever played in at carolina
5: yeah, yeah, just, just because of the, the magnitude. You know, they was a number one yeah. team. Um, College game they, days in
1: town. And, yeah. yeah. Did
5: they did they win a championship the year before?
1: Yeah, the year before they did, yeah. Okay,
5: and then, you know, they won a championship the year before.
1: They had won uh, like 40 straight games or something crazy. Yeah, you know, some I think Mark Ago was coming off
5: his uh, Heisman Trophy year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually played them the year before that, my, my freshman year, and they, they beat us pretty good at mm-hmm. Alabama. So it was, it was a lot on state, man. We have that game was that game was pretty big, most definitely,
1: for sure. So you go in, you go into the 2011 season, um, and, and it's it's interesting, you know, Aldrick. Each year, year after year, your your play increases and increases. Um, pretty similar to your sophomore and junior year, but that junior year, you actually get your first career start at Georgia, and, and what a game that was! I mean, we all remember 45 to 42, and. You know, I kind of <laughs> talked about talked to you about uh, you know the emotions of making your first big play for Carolina, but you get your first career start on the road in Athens. I mean, you're a junior, but were there were there any butterflies at all? I mean, that, that's you know that, oh. that's a big game. That's a really big game, Carolina Georgia. That is not a small game.
5: I, I was nervous just to to get that feel. Like I'm playing d tackle, and right. I'm at that time I'm I'm maybe 270 pounds, 275 pounds. Mm. So I just want to see, like, how is it going to feel, <laughs> you know, to to take this beat in all game? Because, you know, when you go against your teammates in practice, like, you know how that feel. You know the strength, right. You know how to play them. This is new, you know, uh, playing against other people, another team, you know, having sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people watching you is, is different in practice. Uh, so I just want to get that, that that my feet wet, that first feel. Um, right. Actually, man, I got – I think I got blown up the first play because we uh we have this we used to uh, uh, stem so we are lined up in the opposite gap we're supposed to be in lineup and so I I think I was lined up in you know the A gap and you know our linebackers will yell out stem and then we will move you know one gap over and I Shaq, I always get on him about this he held it a little too long right and. <laughs> As soon as he says stem, they snap the ball. So as I'm moving over, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I got blown up. I got blown up. And, you know, I'm not as big and strong as everybody else. So, man, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, that, that's good, though. I was like, all right, well, that's the worst it can get right yeah. there." So,
1: there you okay, go. Was, got, like, got the butterflies out fast when that happens. Yeah. Like that happens. I, I got to ask you, of course, man, about you play with you, Davion Clowney. I mean, all-time great. And we see what he's doing in the NFL now and everything. and. 2011 was his freshman season. And of course, you remember in that Georgia game, you know, he he, he and Melvin Ingram went off, Jadavion with the huge play, Melvin scoop and score, fake punt. But talk about the impact that Jadavion Clowney had as a true freshman, how it impacted you as a player playing next to him. Because again, when you add a guy like that, and again, there were other great players as well, Chaz Sutton, Devin Taylor, Melvin Ingram, um, guys that I'm honestly leaving off right now, Kelsey Quarles. But, but like when you're playing around great players, it's only going to make you better. So yeah. just just talk about the addition of Clowney, what that did for not just you, but you guys' entire unit. I, I know Clowney was a guy that I I don't think he even started as a true freshman. And that's how much depth, that's how good the D line was for you guys. But it was pretty evident from guys I've talked to off the jump that it's like, all right, this is this dude's a different, different type of animal.
5: Yeah, and you know, whenever you got somebody like Clowney coming out of high school, highly touted, you know, number one player we wanna see like, okay, let's let's make sure you got this hype about yourself. Right. You know? So, <laughs>
2: right.
5: you know, everybody wanted to see, like, you know, him make those that that big play. So, you know, him playing, you know, he was a young dude. He didn't really know like the, you know, how to play college football. He didn't know the, like all the plays and stuff like that. So, um, but I tell you what, man, he had so much raw ability. Mm. Um, as a freshman, you know, you still learning how to practice. You don't know how to practice. like. Mm. You, Practicing in high school hard is not the same as oh, yeah. practicing in South Carolina in college and practicing with Coach Long. Like, it's it's just different. Like, so, you know, he was still learning all that stuff, and he still make plays. Like, I, I, I don't – to this day, I don't get it. I think he's the most talented person I ever played with. Um, it was stuff that he can do that, you know, just leave you at all, man. Like, you know, I know myself personally. I can't do that. Like mm-hmm. His first step was crazy. Um so I, to me, I was just trying to be like a, a mentor, man. Like I just wanted him to be, him to be great. Like okay. so, a lot of times when we play together, I will just tell him like, like don't even worry about trying to learn. Like if it was something I can tell was difficult for him to learn, like play wise, I said don't worry about it. I got you. Like because I knew, I know every position on the D line, what everybody had to do from left side to the right side, whatever it is, any, any checks you had, I knew everything. So mm-hmm. if I feel as though it's something that's gonna confuse him, like don't worry about it. I just, I just tell you, like. It, it was easy for me, and Coach Long knew it. He'd be like, hey, right. keep him straight. I was like, I got him, and shit. Yeah, Co- and, and Co- he was, just, he was just unpredictable, man. Right. Like, you know, he would mess up, but it'd be 1,000%, you know, mess up, and, and it looked good. Like, it'd be players, he supposed to stay outside, and he went inside, and he'd make the tackle. Like, you know, <laughs> as you watching it as a fan, you think he was supposed to do that, right, he wasn't
1: supposed to do it, just so talented he'd get away. Yeah, that's that's what Coach Lawing, he, he kind of mentioned that when, when I talked to him, just saying that like he's like, I don't even think Clowney works out. He just he's that good, he's that yeah. naturally gifted.
5: He came in as a freshman. So his freshman year is my junior year. I've been working at the college program doing college workouts for three years. Right. And I think my personal best in pile cleaner was like 350 or something like that, 345. I'm happy about that. Yeah. He came in as a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> he came in as a freshman, did like you know, 360, 370, something like that. Like, more than any of our, like, any of our D line. I'm like, this is crazy, dude. You're a 17 year old kid. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's blessed, man. He's yeah, blessed.
1: no, for sure. So, Aldrich, I, I want to get back to you, though, because the reason I bring that up is, again, you know, as you were there, the defenses <laughs> got better, the defensive lines got better, the talent got better, you got better as a player. And I think you really saw that culminate into, because, dude, you blew up as a senior. Um, As far as the stat sheet is concerned, you know you're by, by far your best year statistically 22 total tackles, you have six and a half tackles for loss, you have five and a half sacks and two forced fumbles. A, a phenomenal year for South Carolina in that senior season. Um, simply put, Aldrick. I mean, I'll let you take the floor. What What do you think clicked for you? I'm sure, again, just being a veteran and being familiar with what Coach Loring was trying to accomplish and you know, physically getting yourself to where you wanted to be. But, of course, also, I would say, surrounding yourself with really good players and you guys all feeding off each other. I mean, what do you attribute to that breakout season in 2012?
5: Uh, I, honestly, I just went back to my, my natural position, man. Like, mm-hmm. um, me and Coach Longwood talked. Like, I obviously took – Which was
1: end, thing. I'm assuming, correct? You were at the end. Yeah, yeah, I was at yeah. the end. Okay. And then, you
5: know, on third down, you know, I would be inside and pass yeah. rush. Like yeah. so, it's, it's still me being, you know, kind right. of a finesse. Mm. Um, and and Coach, Coach Long knew it. So he, you know, after we got done the season, he's like, you know, we're gonna use you. Like, you know, we use Melvin, and that's what Melvin did. Like he played D and then like on third down, he went down that D tackling. He, you know, pass rush, and that's when he had like, hold up, my stuff got away. Oh, you good? That's when he had like one of his, you know, his best season. You know, pass rush from the inside, he had to do his little spin move. So. Mm which I was really, really happy about that. Uh, you know, everybody knew, like, I was taking one for the team for three years. I'm, I'm playing D-tackle. <laughs> you know, I'm starting out the season 275 pounds, but by the time you get halfway through, you don't lose about 10, 15 pounds. So now I'm, like, 260, right. 265. Right. So I was just really happy to play D-end and, you know, go down on third down. I don't have to worry about taking on no double teams. I don't have to worry about, you know, get beat up. By two, 300-pound people, all I could do is just use my speed and, and, and pass rush, so it, it was fun. Like, I loved it.
1: Like, yeah, That was I, my favorite
5: year. Favorite yeah,
1: year. oh, no, for sure. I mean, again, like I said, you blew up statistically, and I, I know I keep bringing it up, again. The, the guys you played around, but I imagine the competition ha- had to make you so good as well. Just iron sharpens iron. I mean, you guys are – you know, just I remember watching those teams. You guys were literally playing a game of I'll beat you to the quarterback. I mean, it's like who's yeah. gonna, who can get there first, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, because somebody is I, going to get there, like
5: – like we was you know, we, we talked trash, man. Like, you know, who can have the most sacks and can do this and you know, I used to uh talk trash to Clowney because I think like the first couple of games I had more sacks than I'm like, you know, come on, bro. Like <laughs> you, you're playing, you know, fifty percent more snaps than I am and I got, you know, just as much of production as you. And, you know, it's just funny games, man. Chaz is mm-hmm. inside, you know, rushing with me with Devin and Clowney, like that. It makes it easy, man. Like Connie being an all-American, Devin Taylor was
1: once an all-American.
5: You know, Chaz was down there with me. He's been playing. Me and him came in as freshmen together. Like it was, it was easy, man. Like, yeah, and and,
1: I, I was gonna say that has to. Ma- I mean, that's what made you guys so good is just that depth. I mean, even your that's what makes the great teams good is that even their second and you know third third string guys are coming in. There, it's like we're highly touted players too. Like we can also ball out. Like yeah, you know, yeah, you can And sleep.
5: like you can just see it in other offensive lines with eyes. Like you know. <laughs> The eyes big, yeah. you know they 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 looking everywhere trying to see because <laughs> you got four defensive ends out there. Like, yeah, yeah, like that's hard to deal with, man. That's hard to deal with, and and one of them, me, I'm basically a, almost a D tackle too. So you know I, I can play in there if you try to sneak a run in. like I can play in there. So you know it, it was a, it was a lot of fun.
1: Now I'm, I'm back. Yeah, no. The, yeah, the the rabbit package you said, right? Yeah, the rabbit package. Yeah, I remember Lawing talking about that. I, I'm I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, Aldrich, but I don't know how this slipped my mind. But again, you were when you were at South Carolina, you accomplished a lot of firsts, and there's a lot of things, like I said, sitting here right now, nobody could ever take away from you. One of the others that I didn't mention, again, you go to the SEC title in 2010, but 2011, you beat Nebraska in the bowl game, and you won back-to-back bowl games to close out your career, which I'm sure had to be just. An awesome feeling, back to back eleven win seasons. But you were on the first ever South Carolina team to win eleven games in a season. Um, again, just just talk about that. You know, beating Nebraska in that bowl game, getting to eleven wins, accomplishing that again. It's something again that you know nobody can ever take away from you. You know, for the rest of your life.
5: Yeah, and and all of us we we knew how big it would be, but you know, coming in as from 2009 we, we started accomplishing big things so by the time we got to that point it was just you know another big step to take you know of proving what we already believe we were so you know we come in as freshmen we beat my freshman year we beat clemson pretty good then the next year you know we beat clemson again you know we went to sec east which that's pretty huge we went to the sec championship game so now we come to you know this third year to win 11 games to you know, win the bowl game, it's just us, you know, taking that next step to, to prove, you know, that we belong. So to us it was it was just another game, honestly.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure coming in at twelve, the expectations are you kind of you guys' mindset was like, all right, we're going after the national championship. Yeah. Like SEC title, national title. Like that's that's gonna be we talking about
5: man. We're just one yeah. game away, man. Georgia just yeah Georgia was just getting lucky to get in there. We we uh slipped Dude, up. 11,
1: 11 and twelve I was gonna say you, you guys, you know Again, it's crazy when you look at the way those years shook out <clears throat> because it was you know those pesky SEC West games that kept you guys out and uh, jo- you know, like you said, Georgia was kind of just squeezing by. And yeah. you look at all those years, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. I would say, and you just think to yourself, you're like, man, if South Carolina was in the SEC title, there's no question they would won the game. And just in my, maybe I'm biased, but I'm like, there's no yeah. way I- South Carolina would have. They would have won at least one of them. I can tell you that much. So. At least one, At least one, yeah. Least one. Least one. yeah. yeah. So and, and some of it was our fault, man. We didn't, right, right.
5: We didn't match up well against Arkansas. Uh, we beat them my senior, but we never beat them. They beat us my freshman year, my sophomore year, and my junior. Arkansas year. Like,
1: we, always gave South kind of trouble, if for whatever. Yeah,
5: reason. we just didn't match up well, man. Yeah. They had they had good skill people. They spread us out. Like if you could spread us out, like we struggle with that. Yeah, and that's what they did best with, you know, Ryan Mallett and they had like Chris yeah. Childs and. They had a tight end DJ Williams, and yeah. so they were they were a pretty tough team, and that was like our, our kryptonite. So
1: yeah.
5: we would lose to them, and then we had like another hiccup, like I think we lost to like Tennessee or somebody like we. Um, so of course that caused Georgia to squeeze in, which we hated those no, last yeah. two years, but yeah, For sure. we made well, the best
1: you, of it. Yeah, I was gonna say you definitely. Uh... You, you definitely extracted your revenge on him while you were there because, you you know, you closed out on a three-game winning streak on him beating 10, 11, and 12. And, of course, we got to talk about the 12 game your senior year. I mean, you guys just lay the absolute wood. Another college game day game, night game at Willie B. Um, we all know what happened, but first things first, I'll ask you, I mean, have you ever played in a crazier environment than that night?
2: Um...
5: Nah, oh man, I... I we got a few games, like, when we played Ole Miss. Mm. I didn't mm. personally play it in that game. Like, that game was crazy. I think mm. Ole Miss was, yeah, like, yeah, number yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a crazy game. Uh, LSU was a crazy game. Um, when we beat Florida for the SEC East for, like, the – I think they took that opening kickoff then for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. You could not hear yourself think. Like, it was so loud. Like those four games, man, was like crazy, crazy, crazy good. And Georgia, they quit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I spoke to um when I I went with the Rams for a little bit, and Um Tree was there with them, and he was talking about how you know, you know, after like the second quarter, they they was all ready to go home, like they they was ready to get out of there. Yeah, it it got ugly, man. Like it was up 14-0, and the Ace took that punt for a touchdown. And once he did that, I said, yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> they don't they yeah. don't have a chance. Like you don't you don't spot us twenty one points. You're not you're not gonna score twenty one yeah, unanswered right. points on our defense. Though, yeah. So uh, you can hang that up.
1: Yeah, guys, God, just making plays all over the field. And I mean, I, I'll tell you, man, there's still Gamecock fans this day that look back at that night and say that was the greatest. Like, people say that was the greatest – that first quarter was the greatest quarter ever played in South Carolina football history. That's, I mean, just yeah, like bro. you said, 21 nothing. Everything's clicking. Defense is dominating. Offense is moving at will. Ace with the punt return. I mean, that, that was a magical night, no doubt. That was a we were, magical we were night. Focused,
5: at we did. man. We, we wanted it. Right? Yeah. We, we were focused. Like, we knew that was our – I guess our rival on that side. Like, right? You no, know, it was going to be between Georgia – and us to you know go to the SC, to represent the East in SEC championship game, so you know, we wanted to, to prove a point. And once we get up on you like that, now you got to pass the football.
1: And, you know, yeah. You know, now, good luck. You
5: know, now we can put our years back and we can have fun.
1: Yeah. Good luck. I, I want to ask you too that 2012 Clemson game. Um, and again, that was your last time against Clemson. You go undefeated against them, but you were alongside Jadavion Clowney. Um, when he had the four-and-a-half sack game in Death Valley. Still a Clemson record, still a, a Death Valley record, by the way, I should say. No, none of their guys have ever gotten that. Four-and-a-half sacks. I, have you ever played alongside a defensive lineman who had a, that dominant of a night? I mean, that was – it was insane. I know it was so funny because, like, like I said, I had Brad Lowing on the show, and he was talking about the way he was playing mind tricks with Clemson Center. Basically, he was telling me, if you know which way the center's going, you you can you can kind of yeah. work around that and cause havoc, you know. And he was kind of talking about how he take you and take uh, take uh, what uh, Devin, Yeah, you know, yeah, Devin and and Jadavion, kind of like just twist you guys around yeah. and just freeing up Clowny like every play. Um, yeah, like we had
5: so much fun, man. Like like he had like, he was a genius, man. So he know how to like which I've learned he I learned from him how to break down film on to determine which side the center is going to turn and their protection. So he'll break it down for like formations from how many receivers they got on the field, how many tight ends, how many running backs on which way the center is going to work. So when you figure out which way the center is going to work, so it's that if the center works left, then you got three people on the left side and two on the right. Mm-hmm. Now you can run a twist game and work, you know, it's one-on-ones on that side and you can open up. So, I mean, once we know how to do that, like we had, you know, twists where me and Chaz would be inside. And if I know the center was turning to my side, I would just hold the center up and Chaz would, you know, pick the center hip and then i wrap around <laughs> and Chaz coming through. Or, you know, we had one where, you know, uh, he lined Clowney and Devin Taylor up at D-Tackle and lined me and Chaz outside and we'd do a twist from there. And I, you know, do my move and twist inside and Clowney wrap around. Like it's, it was so much stuff that we could do, man. And like, and we honestly, some of the stuff we didn't do until we played Clemson, and I guess you know Coach Long just kind of feeling himself, and you know we had his confidence that you know that we could we could do all that stuff, so it, it was fun.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Clown Clowny got all the spoils. It seemed like he, he uh he certainly took advantage. Yeah,
5: man i i, I give him a hard, i gave him a hard time about it because uh, I think. Two of his sacks, he whooped somebody's ass. And, you know, he, <laughs> and then it was another two. I, I missed the sack, and he got it. Yeah. And then uh, I think Gerardo uh, missed the sack, and then Clowny got it. And then, you know, he came in on another sack and got the half. So
1: it's, know, just know, n- it's, it's just it's his all, night. It's just his
5: yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, it it's all fun, man. Yeah, no, fun.
1: for sure. Well, like I said, either way, you get the W over Clemson in that 2012 Michigan game, that bowl game. again. What a great way to close out your career. Um, another 11 win season. You beat them in that bowl game. Of course, Clowney has the hit in that game, and what what a great game it was! Dylan Thompson with the game winning touchdown pass. I mean, could you? I know you could. You would have rather it been in like a SEC title or national title game, but I can't imagine you could have really scripted the last game of your South kind of career much better than that dramatic win over Michigan and kind of just the way it went down.
5: Yeah, it was great, man, and it made it even sweeter because. Uh, one of my teammates from high school, Quentin Washington, was playing. He was playing for Michigan at the time, oh, man. and yeah, <laughs> they. Um, it was between South Carolina and Michigan, on whatever school he chose, and he ended up choosing to go to Michigan. So
1: uh,
5: I was I was ready to give him some some hard times for choosing to go to Michigan instead <laughs> of South Carolina. So it was it was really sweet to to rub that in his face.
1: It's so awesome. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you, Aldrich, about uh, your career after South Carolina, as far as. Uh, you know I'm just curious where did things take you I, I know you were a draft prospect but I, I, I where, where did things take you as far as pro football um, life after South Carolina your football career I heard you talking about you were working out with the Rams and stuff like that like what was the uh, your your football career like after your time in Columbia um, it wasn't long
5: honestly man I really didn't want to play pro
1: um, I, I fell out of
5: love with the game I want to say that. Probably around my junior year, like you know, I, I was doing it because I, I felt like I was good at it. But as far as extending to the NFL, I wasn't really interested in it. Um, I got an opportunity with the Rams. I'm not gonna, you know, turn it down. Right, right. As I get older, I don't, I don't want to have any regrets of saying ah, I should have did this. So, you know, I went with it and didn't go well. So I was like, all right, let's let's go into this this next level of life. I didn't mm. didn't do any extra training or nothing after that. I really didn't want to, you know, go forward with it. So I, I started working and. I think I had, like, one more class to do before I graduated. So, I did that last class, graduated, and got hired with Cracker uh, Barrel and been with them since. Been with them since.
1: Nice, nice. Well, I, I do definitely, Aldrich, before I get you out of here, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, things, obviously, like I said, when we first got on the show <clears throat> are uh, swirling right now with Gamecock football. Obviously, we're going through a coaching change. South kind of looking to begin a new era. Um and you know, after you left, of course, Steve Spurrier resigns. Will Muschamp gets the job? He just now recently got fired. Um, I, I just want to ask your overall thoughts on the state of Gamecock football. And I, I, you know, I don't know how closely you still follow South Carolina football, or if you've been back or whatever. But um, obviously, things need to change, and, and things are going to sure. change. I, I'm curious. Um, I know you're not you're not like on the search committee or anything, and I, I know you you might not even be very very well versed with like who the candidates are available, but. What do you want to see Gamecock football – is there anything specifically that stands out in your mind you want to see Gamecock football get back to with the next head coach as far as like the culture and stuff like that? Because, you know, I had DJ Swearinger on. He was very, very vocal about – he thought the standard had kind of gotten lost. And and I see what he's saying. And I've seen it on social media the last couple of days with I think the standard of what you guys set. Because I know especially for you guys, it's very personal because you were the guys – that built that up that set that, that that established that culture that set that standard and I really you know I really very much heard out what he was saying and that that standard sort of got lost so I you know I'll again I'll let you have the floor Aldrick as far as like what do you want to see from the next head coach this this Gamecocks football program as a whole or is there anything that stands out to you that you know you'd like to see from the next guy and what you want him to do with the program
5: I just want them to be like a a a hard-nosed team. Like, uh, some games, I I watch some games, and, you know, towards the end, it it seems like, you know, they may look like they give up or, you know, they're okay with with being in the game instead of being okay with winning. And, you know, the standard has dropped. Um, I, I felt like some people or even some of the players that came in after us was, you know, being complacent living off of, you know, the aura that we've had when Beforehand of winning those eleven games, and um, which you know after our class left in 2012, they had another eleven win game after that. So they actually mm. they did three in a row. Yeah. And after that, man, it this was never able to to piggyback off of that. And you know now that Clemson is um, moving at the way they are, it's, it's going to be even harder to to get some of those guys in. Like um, and honestly, like the the coaches that's coming in, like they they really gonna have to do their homework as far as recruiting. So. I'm not gonna see them get any like, you know, big four and five star players that you know that's gonna be highly touted, which is okay. Um, but you have to really go in those areas of you know, people that's you know work hard, like uh find somebody like DJ and Greenwood or you know, Justice and Pageland and you know Alshon and uh uh St. Matthews and you know, find those guys. And when we when South Carolina was good, those days were in. We had so many different people like in the state of South Carolina. Like, you know, we all knew each other. You know, DeMario knew Alshon, I knew Justice. We, we all knew each other and, you know, we all decided like, Hey, we want to come here and, you know, do something different. Mm-hmm. And it could easily go to uh, a school that's established. I got recruited by Alabama. I wasn't interested. I mean, they, they already got their, their stuff. Like mm-hmm. what well, I'm just going to be another guy. And then once I graduated, I'm, who knows Aldrich? like just whatever, like we, we do this every year. So I just want them to be tough, man. Like I'm, I'm, it's okay. Like it's not okay to lose, but we know that it's a process. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to 11 games in one year. Mm-hmm. We went from winning seven games to nine games, then to 11, then 11 and 11. But every game that we lost those, those first two years, we were in there. Like nobody was just yeah. us out. It wasn't, you know, 50 point you know, teams scoring 50 points on us, 45 points on us, getting punt blocks and, you know, throwing five, six interceptions and somebody running 98-yard 90, touchdowns. Like, you know, we yeah, I, know that
1: I, I was going to say, I know that's had to have been tough for you. You know, I, I can't imagine every single Gamecocks defensive alumni watching these last three games, 159 points in three games is just I – mean,
5: Yeah, it's it's, it's tough, man.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. I mean, it's no other way to put you gotta, it. You got to have pride about
5: yourself, man, like – and that's one thing we had. Like everybody was prideful. Like we was not taking nothing. If if anything, you know, I was more calm and level headed. I wasn't really like the the one that was jumping around crazy and talking trash. But we had a lot of teammates that were like always fired up. DJ was always fired up. Shaq was always fired up. You know, uh, Devonte was always fired up. Like they were Victor Hampton, always fired up, ready to ready to play. So I don't see any of that. Like. That edge, like nobody with that edge, that swagger, like, hey, you know, I, I deserve this. And and that comes from your coaches, too. Like uh, Coach Long, as a as DN, like he'll tell you, you know, take chances, but you better make it. And if you don't, if you don't make it, you know, he's going to be on your ass about it. And you, you know that, like, you're going to know if you don't do your job, no matter if you're clowny or if you're the walk-on, he's going to be in your ass just as much as he do clowning, as much as he's going to be to the, the last guy on the depth chart. And, you know, when you when you lose that, you got to have somebody in that program that's going to hold people accountable. And when we came up, we had Coach Lowen, and then we had Coach Elliott. Um, I think he's he's head coaching somewhere in uh, Georgia, Georgia. State. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to hold you accountable. And if you don't have those kind of people, like Coach Burry didn't have to do that stuff at all. Like Coach Johnson, which he would do it, but he didn't really have to do that because you know coach lawn was that that mouth that one that you know even if we in practice and after the scout team get three yards we run it at play again like we're doing it over and you know that was just a standard that we had like yeah we're not finishing a script unless we go against the scout team and they get no yards Mm. like they get three yards or they complete the pass run it again and uh, i'm pretty sure that's not happening there like you can see it like they're not disciplined and not focused and not tough. Um, it's, it's more of a show than them. And I, I hate to see it. You know, I hate to say it, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, no, like you said. No, I want I'm, them to be great. Yeah, and that's why there's a change. I mean, bottom line, just call it what it is. It's a results-oriented business. Again, we, we, we could completely – dive into that but no i i agree with you 110 I, I think most uh most people would probably most alumni would so Aldrich, you've been gracious with your time i'm gonna get you out of here but last thing really quickly and i'll give you the floor as far as uh favorite memories from south carolina maybe any funny stories you have with coach lawing or spurry or just things that stand out um from your time in columbia
5: um i'll say our locker room battles i was uh the orchestrator of all that we had like this uh for some strange reason there's always there was a water hose the, the bath and i would like that water when it hit you it was so cold so i would always spray people with it or uh like water fights in the locker room and we had a one time like it was i had a record on my phone man I, I lost my phone and we was in there fighting for maybe 10 minutes, and I don't know how we've heard that Coastbury was coming. We stopped immediately. The locker room's trashed already. It's like, it's trashed. There's cups all over the place. There's pillows and all stuff over the place because we were fighting. And he walked in, and he's like, you guys need to stop playing around and, you know, focus on this and that. And we was like, yes, sir. And we left. We watched them leave, and we went right back at it. Like, <laughs> you know, that was just the, uh... the the kind of guys we were, man. Like, we yeah. was always playing around, fighting and stuff like that, and it was it was – competition no matter what from being on the field or being in a locker room who's you know, who's going to be the strongest so it, it's like I, I miss the being in a locker room with my boys more than yeah. anything
1: else. for sure you love to hear it. aldrick again appreciate you taking the time man absolute pleasure chatting with you i know i speak for all gamecock fans and i say it was it was a pleasure to watch you and your teammates do what you did obviously watching you as a player develop and make the impact you did and obviously i mean all the great memories all the great games they all stand out but uh no, man, I'd love to do it again sometime soon. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. He's Aldrich Quarter. I'm Chris Phillips. appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.